When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. what's up blue what's good with it man how y'all doing good man how about you good good maintaining we're holding it down i'm reggie i'm a founder and ceo of ambrosia for heads and you know you and jake know each other i don't think we've ever met face to face blue but it's uh good to see your face man i've been writing about you for almost 20 years now oh what (laughs) good looks man That's awesome. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, we're, we're both fans of you guys. You know, your music, like, I've been listening to for a long, long time. You know, um, your album, you know, Below the Heavens, like, really restored my faith in hip-hop because I wasn't checking for hip-hop that much in that era. You know what I mean? What? What? Um, Good I, was looks, to, man. I was about to let it go. Mickey and, and I were just chopping it up about, like, how some dudes get stuck in the 90s. I wasn't there. But there wasn't anything speaking to me like that until Below the Heads and pulled me back in. And and Brosby Heads, in a large way, is because of you and like Coles, you know, uh, the warm up, you know, just joints like that pulled me back in, you know. So thank you. Oh, that's what's up, man. Thank you. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, Mickey, I met back in like 2009, 2010, something like that. And we've been covering him on the site since when we were just on Tumblr. Um, a lot of cats don't realize, but we were Tumblr, then WordPress.com, and, you know, so we've been rocking with y'all for a long time. That's love. That's love. Thank you very much. Uh, me and Blue are are very excited to be here to, uh, you know, have this conversation with both hip-hop scholars, man. Let's, let's, let's talk. man. Let's get into it. Yeah. So, uh, welcome Blue, Mickey Fax, new EP called The Narrative. Uh, Jake and I have been listening to it in heavy rotation. It's coming out. What's first of all? Let's, what's the release date? August twentieth, this Friday. August twentieth, Friday, Friday. Yeah. Uh, one of the best projects I've heard this year, lyrically. Thank you. Uh, musically, you know, much, Ooh. much shout, much props to Knots for holding it down the production boards. Yes, Crazy. yes, indeed. Uh, Respects. Yeah. So y'all, y'all though have been together now. Um, you know, in for 12 years, uh, first graced the cover of XXL Freshman. Together. Yeah. So yep, yep. y'all been rocking together that long. Why did y'all choose now to put together the joint project? I think uh, I think it's been it's been like a bucket list thing for me uh, since hearing Below the Heavens. It's like, you know, I think the same feeling that a lot of MCs and a lot of fans got when they heard Below the Heavens. It was like, man, this this is a breath of fresh air. So, you know, I was like, yo, at, at some point in time, me and him is going to work. And um, I was lucky enough to, to go on tour with Blue in 2018. And while we were driving, well, while I was driving <laughs> to each city, you know, we would have these deep conversations about life, about music, about hip hop, uh, family, and, you know, the next tour stop, where we going to eat. And, you know, in between that, it's like, yo, we, we should definitely do a project. And he was like, yep, let's, let's do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
And, um, you know, we kind of went through some producers who we, we felt when we got off tour, we went through some producers we felt would work well. And we just kind of settled on knots and, um, and then we just started getting, getting to it. You know, once, once knots agreed, you know, we got right to it. Uh, yeah. You know, the, uh, the narrative opens with stay down and in a lot of ways that song, you know, kind of presents both of your origin stories. So even though you guys went on tour together three years ago, um, since that process began, have you realized um, some overlapping qualities or traits to who you both are as men and as artists? Hmm. I think it's constant growth. You know what I mean? It's always constant growth. And uh, this project is definitely a reflection of that, man. I think um, for me personally, it's just another level up in, the, in releasing music. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it was definitely a challenge to work with Mickey because Mickey is so talented. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm just rhyming with anybody. I'm rhyming with a great. So I had to step up my bars. He stepped up his bars. He did his thing and we put it down. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll ask you both too. That song deals a lot with, you know, heritage and generations. And, you know, I know, you know, Blue, you've rapped so much about family and Mickey. I know how much being a father means to you. Um, you know, can you trace some of the qualities in your writing and in your music that come from your bloodline or come from your ancestors, your parents, what have you? Um, for me, my dad, he, he used to rap to me when I was in the womb, apparently. Mm. <laughs> so, um, you know, when I was when I was born, then he started rapping to me when I was crying. And apparently that would you know get me to stop. Well, crying. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hey, uh, so, Pops had bars. Pops had bars, allegedly. You know, his, 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 first, his first single was called Streetwise. At some point in time, I'm probably going to do it over and have him on it. Um, he put it out in, two, in 1983, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, and it just didn't, you know, at that time, it's not like how we have it now. We was actually just talking about this last week. And he was like, man, you know, it was tough. You know, they, he said he went to some, some, some studio back in the, in, in the days and, you know, the people, they were doing rock, like the studio engineers were doing rock and they put together a beat real quick, took his money and, and had him record it. And it was on this big, I don't even know what, I don't even know what it was. They gave him the masters and he tried to, <laughs> yeah, he tried to put it out and, you know, it just didn't, you know, it didn't hit. It, it was still fresh. Like this is like before, you well, know, DM3 G. Yeah, bro. So, you know, I can only imagine that. So, you know, me taking on that legacy, you know, and just being being able to, because Blue sent his verse in first and I was able to kind of really tap into, you know, me talking about growing up in the Bronx and, and having that, that feeling of wanting to be a part of this culture, right? And, and then finally getting into the culture and, and realizing what it is. And, and, and understanding that. So if my son wants to get into the culture and into the industry, this is how you do it. Because now I have the knowledge that my father didn't have. So it's a great, you know, three generational kind of thing. And we're all named Mark. Oh, wow. What about you, Blue? Um, for me, my, my, I mean, my, my parents were just fans of the music. You know what I mean? In the same way, I was a fan of the music. But I decided to just jump in and... Uh, you know, give it a try. My, my father used to write poetry. My mom used to write poetry. My grandpa was a big jazz fan. Um, and I was just a big hip hop fan, you know? 
So, Mickey, you talked about you guys just traveling and chopping it up about life. And the album starts off, you know, with you you guys talking about literally from birth and through early childhood. And then you, you progress all the way up through one where you're contemplating death in the end, you know. So, and, you know, it's filled with everything in between. Can you guys break down the concept of the album? Um, I think the concept was, you know, we, we put together the title for this project last. So, you know, Blue was like, yo, let's call it the narrative. And I said, okay, let's call it the narrative. <laughs> and, you know, I have to credit Blue a lot for the, the concepts for the project. Um, I believe he, he, he put together most of them, maybe like four out of the, 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 the six. Um, I definitely wanted to have a conversation about, you know, police brutality on there. And I definitely wanted to just kind of have, you know, something where we just went off, which was rain. Um, Blue took the reins on Stay Down. He took the reins on Freedom. He took the reins on One. And he took the reins on, there was another, what's the other record that we have? Oh, I took, was it? No, one yeah, one? you did. I did roll up. I did yeah. roll up. I did roll up. So it was 3-3. Three, three. It was basically half and half. I thought it was 4-2, but it was 3-3. Three, three. And I feel like we... I feel like we covered a lot of ground because a lot of this was recorded, I would say in the maybe late 2020, mid 2020, late 2020. And, you know, obviously we dealt with the George Floyd thing. We dealt with, you know, the pandemic, we dealt with Corona, you know, it was still new then. So, you know, we were just trying to navigate through that and, and have, you know, some, some dialogue about this particular time capsule time, uh, era. And I felt like the narrative of 2020 going into 2021 is this project. And you get dense lyricism, powerful production, and, 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 and just two brothers who from both sides of the coast, right? Like he's in LA, he's experiencing what he's going through in 2020, 2021. And me in the Bronx, you know, dealing with what's going on out there. So I think it's a great synergy between what we both saw experience in that time frame mm. so blue you know coming out of la you were born in 82 83 83 83 so the same year that mickey's dad was rocking in new york you were born in yeah. LA. <laughs> and, uh, you talk about police brutality on the record you know for me some of the you know growing up in indiana some of the first experiences i heard about how people, police were getting down was from people like ice t and nwa you know, so how is it, you know, coming up on 30 years after that, releasing a record that details a scenario that's not too different than the way it was then in terms of what's going on? Man, um, the police are pretty prominent, you know what I mean? And what goes on with the police is like, it's crazy how it can take over one's life, you know what I mean? And be so, such a, a huge topic and deal in a person's life. And, um, and, you know, I've dealt with the police, like, countlessly. I've been to jail, like, four times, you know what I mean? I've, like, dealt with police, like, way too much, you know what I mean, in my life, you know what I mean? Especially for the type of person I, I look at myself as, I carry myself as, you know? So um, it was, uh, you know, doing the song, it was, it was easy. I've done, like, police brutality songs many times, you know what I mean? Um, just expressing, like, you know, trying to keep up or, you know, trying to make some type of, you know, have a voice in what's going on, you know what I mean? And uh, 
it's just is man it's it's awful bro it's awful i can't even speak on the police bro without getting emotional you know what i mean yeah and mickey you i mean driving a company car it sounds like right the story that you recap and a dude who was if i'm not um, mistaken in law school at a certain point showed that like nobody escapes this so what was your perspective on writing it especially after coming out of 2020 Man, I, I felt like that story needed to be told um, because, you know, when people see the 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 the, the positive side of me having a, a, a national commercial on uh, television, and you know how much money I made from that, and, and and being in front of so many eyes, but you know I like the dichotomy of it where you you here's the reverse of having a free car, right, and having a police officer so um, angry that I have a free car and then, and then me, me being brash enough to say, listen, you can write the ticket. It doesn't matter. They're going to pay for the ticket. Mm-hmm. And that angered him because it's like, well, why am I writing this ticket for? Well, now let me write extra commentary on this ticket because you're so, you're so brazen and bold in how you're, you're, you're coming across. And, you know, I, I, I felt like that needed to be spoken on, you know, no matter what for a cop to tell me you don't deserve to have this car you don't you don't deserve to 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 be in this vehicle you don't deserve for them to pay your your fine and and pay your insurance have a free vehicle they that was very demoralizing for me you know because i had earned that you know i had earned the right to you know get a free company car right so i felt like that needed to be kind of um set on a record you know that everybody gets stopped and we all have that fear of this can go the wrong way at any given yeah. point. Yeah. So this month, you know, hip hop celebrated a symbolic 48th birthday. And, you know, August 11th, um, you know, it's always a weird day. A lot of stuff, you know, on the social timelines and whatnot. And last week, um, you know, I, I click on a live video from Rock the Bells. And Mickey, I see you, you know, performing outside of 1520 Sedgwick Avenue, you know, right yes. in your backyard of the Bronx. And I thought, you know, that was so powerful to see you as a Bronx native, as an artist that's been doing it, you know, for well over 15 years. You know, I feel like so many folks in your position might say no or be too busy or feel that that's crazy as it may sound beneath them. But I wanted to ask you, especially growing up in that soil, what did that experience mean to you? I mean, maybe you've rocked there before, but I just thought it was so poignant and poetic given, you know, the the month that you're having leading into this album. Um. I was uh, I was already supposed to be in the, I live in Atlanta now. I was already supposed to be in New York. Um and in 2019 they had the first uh Bronx Hip Hop Awards and me and Curtis Blow were honored um at those awards. Um and you know a lot of the the people who started hip hop was there and and you know before I left they were like listen you know whenever something's happening in the Bronx we expect you to show up and 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 be that torchbearer. Mm. Be the person that we know you can be that represents us as a Bronx MC. And, you know, I was like, all right. So when I got the call, I initially thought LL was going to be there. I was like, this Rock the Bells, this is his thing. I'm going because I want to see LL. You know what I'm saying? Uh, obviously, he wasn't there. But even though he wasn't there, just being in front of 1520 where this whole thing started, uh, like it's 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 a it's a feeling that you can't really describe because it's like us four right now are on Zoom because of 1520 <laughs> Sedgwick Avenue, and 
you know, I, I can't turn something like that. I extended my trip to stay just for that. Mm. Um, so that, 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 that's just something that has to be done, period. Like if anything that's dealing with the Bronx and hip hop and I'm able to make that sacrifice to be there, I'm going to do it. And if they're going to ask me to rap, then we're going to rap because this is what we do for a living. Did you grow up in a situation where you saw, you know, the legends around you? Um, no. The pioneers, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, no. So I grew up in the Soundview section. So the closest thing that was to me was Lord Tariq. Shout out to him. And, and um, Peter Guns. Yeah. And Peter Guns. Peter Guns is on 174th. Um, but Corey would come around my way a lot. Uh, Pun would drive through uh, Stevenson High School, where I went to high school at. Mm. So I would see Pun in his big red truck <laughs> all the time. Uh, but I would never interact with him. Um, I didn't interact with KRS-One until, you know, I started buzzing, which was a very humbling experience for me. Uh, I, I've worked with Africa Bambata, which was a was amazing time in 2009. Um and Fat Joe, you know, Fat Joe, I've worked with him and Fred the Godson. Anybody that's from the Bronx, you know, I've crossed paths with, uh, but n- not too much like the OGs, not until like I got honored. And when I got honored and I was around all Cool Herc and, and, and Curtis Blow and Grandmaster Kaz, all these guys just recognizing what I've done to mm. kind of keep that legacy of the Bronx going was a big deal for me. So um, I wish I could have been around those people, but my dad, you know, you got to remember it's the late 80s, early 90s and crack was very prevalent. So I wasn't really they wasn't really trying to have me outside too much. And thank, mm-hmm. Thankfully, you know, makes sense, man. You told a great story on Drink Champs, too, about, you know, pun wanting to rent uh, a studio from a building your dad had just to write. And now that I learned that your dad was an MC, man, that's wild. He said no, but I guess he you got you got to protect the money. Right. Yeah. yeah you know, I, and, and just to dive even deeper into that. Right. Like. So it was a basement apartment that Pun wanted to rent out. So he he was afraid that, you know, Pun going down those steps would be a you know a hazard. You know, Word. and that's no disrespect to Pun, but you know he was he was big at that time. That was one reason, and the second reason was he didn't want too many entourages around that community. He felt like it was going to be too many people coming around to see Big Pun because it's it's not like he was larger than life. You know, that's a, that's a pun, which is a pun. Um, and you can't miss, you can't miss puns. So like, yeah. it's like, once people start seeing that he's there, everybody's gonna, and he's, this, he was platinum at this point. So like, there's no way you can miss him. So I understand why he didn't want to do that. Hmm. So Blue, you are a historian too. You know, you shout out uh, AG on, um, you know, on the on the EP, and you talk yeah. about the pride that you have in sharing his name, and then on another track, you, you shout out OC. So, you know, how did you? You were nine years old or so when Runaway Slave dropped. How did you find that music? Who brought that to you? And what did it mean? Um, to you? everybody, everybody in school, like, uh, I ended up going to high school in San Pedro High, and everybody in San Pedro High was like, or that I kicked it around was hip hop heads. You know what I mean? And they they was putting me up on everything because I wasn't, I grew up with a, uh, my stepfather wouldn't let me listen to hip hop because mm. he was a pastor in the church. So I wasn't able to listen to hip hop until I was 15 and I moved in with my dad back in LA. And um, I started listening to hip hop and I was, you know, curious to what's what, what's, you know, the illest shit. And bro, I got like 
everybody was giving me music. You know what I mean? It was endless. It was endless, man. It was like 98 too. It was just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. What were you listening to West Coast that may not have made its way out that you, you think was dope? The Planet Asia EP was the craziest thing I heard, bro. The first EP, Planet Asia, is just called the EP. That was everything I wanted in a West Coast MC. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, I finally found it. I finally got it. So I was just ultra happy that this MC existed. You know what I mean? The closest thing to uh, Planet Asia I had at the time for at the time for like West Coast lyricism was like uh, Corrupt and Razkaz. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which are you know two giants. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I I I wasn't big on uh, like Freestyle Fellowship back then. You know what I mean? Uh, Project Blow. I didn't really know about a lot of that. I got put up on a lot of East Coast music, ironically. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even yeah. being in LA County, it was just, you know, it was what was popping as far as hip hop, you know? Yeah. You know, it was Planet Asia who led me to uh, Zion I. You know, rest oh, in, yeah. You know, rest in um, peace, Zumbi. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, Words. Mind Over Matter, you know, had him and the, and, and the Rascal was on that too, you know, so that's how I started learning a lot about, you know, underground West Coast cats who were in that vein, you know, outside of Freestyle Fellowship and, you know, Far Side and stuff like that, but yeah. Yeah, that, that was dope, man. That was dope. You know what's dope yeah. about PA too is, you know, he was somebody like both of you that, you know, f- had a major label deal, but eclipse that with what he did himself you know independently and I'm curious you know I mean you guys address it on the album but talk to me about the value of independence and the creative control that comes with it because both of you at different points in your career have been with big labels but at the same time the things that people I think love about both of you haven't come from those situations um man being on a label I thought I, I thought it was it man I I thought I thought I thought I was going to be that guy, you know, like, uh, and, uh, you know, the label folded, man. Like, I, 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 if the label doesn't fold, I'm in a completely different uh, place. That uh, Battery and Jive believed in me so much. You know, they, they were willing to put a lot of money into me. And, and you know, I was very, I was in the label offices twice a week. Mm. You know, I, I, I knew everybody. I knew the marketing people. I knew the licensing people. I knew the attorneys, I knew the radio people, I knew my A&Rs, the CEO, I spoke to everyone because I wanted I wanted to change the narrative, no pun intended, on, you know, being on a label like Jai for, for a hip hop artist. You know, I wanted them to see that I had pure dedication to be as successful as I can be and be that front soldier, front row soldier for them. And the label folded. And then I got moved to RCA and it was a complete nightmare from that point forward. Um, but as an independent artist, you know, um, I had to kind of realize that when the emails stopped and the phone calls stopped and the blogs disappeared, I had to figure it out. And it was tough. It was tough because, you know, you go from being catered to, you know, after working so hard to get there and then it just is snatched away from you. And now you have to start all over again. Um, and I had to rebrand myself as a lyricist, because when I first came out, I was doing all kind of freaky shit. I was doing like, you know, I was sampling Daft Punk and 
and you know that was, that was before yay and and then it got taken from me and the only thing that i could fall back on was hip-hop like at least i can still rap so i was like well let me wrap this packaging up in this way and and and, and give it to the people and 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 i've never stopped since so that's another thing you guys share you know blue with your label folding right after below the heavens drops how did you how did you kind of like go back and retool and, and come back? Um around the time below the heavens dropped, it was it was pretty awful, man. It was uh, you know, I was on the label and the label didn't exist anymore, but I was still pushing the product, you know what I mean? Um and then uh I got I got a couple uh independent offers and I started working with Tress Records. I put out uh Crass and Johnson and Johnson. Um and then I started working with Nature Sounds and eventually put out her favorite color, which uh I was releasing like music just on MySpace, really. You know what I mean? But um it was pretty tough. Like being on Warner, I had a pretty big deal on Warner as well. Um, I had a movie deal actually too, you know, where I was supposed to put out a movie, a film per album, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that was, that was huge for me. That was a game changer. Um, I was hoping to happen and, uh, it didn't, it just, it just didn't ended up happening like that. And, um, I had to pick back up and, uh, good thing for nature sounds. They reached out. I had a project I just released on Bandcamp, and they were like, yo, man, you got vinyl out, you know? what's up, what's up with these, you know, these projects you got that you're just releasing free digitally. Mm -hmm. I was like, let's get it, let's get it moving, man. And, uh, just revamped the label with some, I knew some of the the label heads that started sounding color. So I started new world color with the people who originated sounding color. And then we started pushing out, you know, my independent projects. So you guys shared that cover, uh, that 2009 XXL cover, freshman cover, only the second one, uh, when it was really like, uh, it meant a lot to be on that cover. How did that change things for you guys? Man, that was good times, man. Man, Touring, touring, you know what I mean? It was a good time. I mean, um, I was I was signed at the time, you know? Or no, I, that was just before I got signed. And uh, by the time I got back to uh, LA, Early, no, that was the end of the year. And then at the top of the year, I got signed. So for me, it was like, and you know, it takes a while to get signed, to get all the paperwork and everything, you know. So I was already, by the time I got out of that double uh, XL, I was dealing with offers, you know what I mean? And uh, Warner was the best offer. So we went with Warner. Yeah. I, oh, no, go, 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 go. Yeah, how that changed things for you? Uh, well, I, I shot the the Honda commercial uh, right after we shot that uh, footage for the the double XL cover. So when the cover came out, the commercial came out as well. So I had got a lot of offers as well. Like it was a lot of offers on the table, but a lot of them just didn't make sense. They just didn't a lot. You know, the labels didn't understand digital marketing. They didn't understand the internet. They didn't believe it was a viable source. To, to, to gather or garner a return on their investment. So when they finally figured it out, that's when I did my deal. I think I was the last person to do a deal mm. from that cover. I did my deal in 2010. I think Blue was probably eighth 
And then Currency did his deal with with uh, 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 Dame Dash at the time. That was and Dame wanted to sign me too, um, but I, I eventually moved the job in 2010 with Jeff Sledge. You know, mm-hmm. that, I thought that was the best move, and, and it was, I think, for both of us. You know, like I, it was a lot of fans, a lot of fans. You know, found out about us, a lot of touring. I, I went on the Rock the Bells tour after, after that, and it was just, it was just a great look. It was a great look. You know, the narrative has a lot of MCs that deserve the light, just like you both did in, you know, in 2009. And that was the opportunity. And I hope that this album and, and, you know, these are guys with their own light too, you know, but, but Coda's a great example. You know, Oswin is phenomenal. We talk about him a lot at AFH, um, you know, even Sayari who, you know, does crazy numbers, but still isn't necessarily like a household name yet to the way that he deserves to be. If you guys were, you know, in those seats of, of putting one or two artists, that are deserving of getting that shine of being knighted, so to speak, who, you know, of the moment, who jumps out, who jumps out at you? Mm. Who's beasting right now? And just, just in a way that you really like, it doesn't even matter about, you know, traction or buzz or anything. Griselda's beasting right now. Griselda's, you know, that's the easy one. Griselda for sure. Um, I agree. Who else is beasting, bro? There's so many heads. There's so many heads out right now, man. It's a, it's, um, it's, it's, it's bountiful right now. I think the, <laughs> for me, I would have to say, you know, the, the, the people that I reached out to on this project, you know, Sari and, and Coda and Oswin, those guys, you know, they, they're, they're incredible, you know? Um, and even Asher, you know, yeah. Asher, you know, all it's of the hard. rappers. Yeah. Asher, you know? So, you know, I would, you know, those guys, especially Coda, you know, Coda is like, He's out of here. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So <laughs> it's it's uh it's it's a it's a blessing to kind of have those guys a part of our project and and they are who I would knight because I, I feel like Griselda is just that's just a whole monster. That's a whole different monster. Now you know, Blue. I asked uh, Mickey about rocking in front of Sedgwick. You know, fifteen twenty. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, PA, and there is this legendary story that I hear from my hometown about. <laughs> 10 or so years ago of you doing a show there and the power going out. Yeah. Can you, can you tell me, <laughs> tell me about that night? Because I think it speaks to, if, if what I've heard is true, I think it really speaks to the testament of you as a, as a live performer and as a true MC. Uh, we held it down, man. We was at the club, the power goes out. And um, it was like, they was just down, man. It was down to rock with us. We was like, yo, uh, I forgot how it went down, but we said we hooked up a mic and a speaker to somebody's car and we just rocked. We turned on the lights and the whole club came outside and we just rocked right there like a full set, bro. (laughs) That's love. That's passion right there. That's incredible. We just tore it down. You know what I mean? Right there in the middle of the street. No footage. No footage of that. I don't think so. That was that was early in the game. You know what I mean? That was like uh. Oh nine, oh eight, probably. Damn, That's I can crazy. only imagine. That would have been a viral moment, yeah, man. Yeah. But, but, but shout out to anyone who got to see it. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, Mickey, you know, as I was saying earlier, we first posted you back in 2010, like the early days. Tumblr, your 2009 freshman. 2016, you did a freestyle for Sway that he called one of the ten best ever on that show, and we know the hundreds, if not thousands, he's done. 
2018, you did a freestyle for Funkmaster Flex where you broke down financial literacy. You've rapped with Kendrick, Royce, Fonte, Crooked, King Los, Ellis High, Styles P, John Connor, Blue, and a lot more other monster MCs. So after all that, why do you think people were so surprised by Ray? Um, I think people were surprised by Wraith because it's like what Blue said, it's, it's so many heads out right now. And it's hard to kind of narrow down, you know, who to listen to. So people get, you get, you forget about certain artists if they don't have the big marketing budget behind you. Hmm. But what I will say to counter that is my support system knew what was going to happen mm. they knew and they were just they were they were salivating they were they were waiting because they knew they know i don't play these games you know yeah. just, to, <laughs> just, just to give just to give you some understanding of how i work blue sent me in 2013 blue sent me he hit me and was like yo i need you to be on this album it was, it was, what is, what was the album called again? Um, God's in the spirit. God's in the, the flesh. God's in the spirit. Ties of the flesh. It was, it was a, a knots. It was a knots project. He was like, yo, I want you to be on this album, but listen, I'm going to send you like four joints and, you know, just pick one and send it back to me. I sent him four verses back and I told him, you pick what you want. And I Incredible. sent it back to him oh. in like a day or two. I sent it back in like a day or two. Yeah. Hell yeah. So the people, yeah, I some went of those, crazy. Some of those I, I haven't even been able to put the pin down on. It was so vicious, bro. Right. I was like, damn. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't play these games. So a lot of art, a lot of the fans just didn't know because they, you know, it's hard to just follow everybody. And you know, now they, they found out what's up. So for those who don't know at this point, which anybody who's following AFH, I think knows. Royce and Lupe have been in a back and forth, right? We're going to say an exchange of words. We're not going to put beef on it. We're not going to put any of that on it. We're just going to say that they've had an exchange of words and there's been word play in the form of records. Mickey was drawn into that uh, by Royce. It was an invitation. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time watching this, dissecting it, and Royce gave a line to Mickey that may have not been originally intended for him about Sun Chips and Sons and said, you take that line, Mickey, you take it. And so Ricky, uh, Mickey, sorry, after um, about two hours of conversation between Royce and three, where Royce questioned whether or not Mickey could check boxes, Mickey came back and he released a record for Royce called Ray where he checked some boxes. And I just want to, I want to go through some boxes that I counted. Okay. And so <laughs> the boxes that I counted were storytelling. Yes. Impersonations. Yes. Current events. Yes. Wordplay. Yes. This is of course. Yes. Multiple flows. Yes. Double time. Yeah. Entendres. Yeah. And you crafted a great record. Yeah. What did I miss? Um, you missed the, uh, you know, metaphor, simile, uh, multisyllabic. Um, you, you, you missed. Uh, I think that might be everything. Then at that point, 
after you know you know it, it is what it is you know I, I think it needed to be done at that point you know and uh, I think everybody saw that I checked the boxes it's like 12 13 boxes to check so blue as a yeah. fan right not as a co-collaborator with Mickey, but as a fan of hip hop and bars, <laughs> what did you think of all three records? Royce's record, Lupe's record, and Mickey's record. I say all y'all is long-winded, bro. <laughs> 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 My shit would have been like 16. I would have been putting so much passion in that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, hell no, but y'all killed it, man. All of y'all, bro. That yeah. shit was phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. Good for the culture, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, what inspired the impersonations, Mickey? Because I mean, you know, we we've seen Black Thought with like Boom, where he did G Rap and Kane, but I don't know that we've ever seen it um this nuanced, you know, but yet so specific. Like you really executed that beautifully. Um, I'm just curious where that came from. Um it came from a space where I, I felt like I, I couldn't just diss him as me. Um, I need, it needed to have something. It needed some shock value. And I felt like me rapping like RJ Payne would shock a lot of people. And then rapping like Ransom would shock a lot of people. And then saying Royce's full government name and going into his style just to let him know, I can do this too. And I think for me to do that, I wanted it to be a shock. It was a shock, shock value. I wanted people to be like, whoa, okay, this guy's nothing to play with. When he says he's written for people in the industry, let's just believe him. Let's believe him when he says he can do this, he can do that and do that and, and leave him alone. So that's really what it was. Marvel at your multiverse till you die mentioning that. Yeah. You shouldn't have gave that to Ransom, man. You should have kept that one yourself. That was that was crazy. Um, so, you know, did you expect for this to become what it became? Because for our audience, this has been a moment. Like in a year where there's been a lot of death, a lot of tragedy. This was a welcome moment where attention was on hip hop and bars and it was gigantic. You know, people got attention spans like that. This lasted for, it's still going on. So did you expect that? No, um, because I, I dissed Joe Button three years ago and it didn't have the same impact as this did. Um, and this, I, I didn't believe it was going to be like what it was. I thought it was going to come and go. Um, but I believe a lot of it had to do with that moment on the live that helped to get it out there even more because people were kind of waiting. And then, you know, I just started, you know, I'm a madman. I started to just, it's like, okay, this track has to be five minutes and 59 cents seconds. And I have to put it out at five fifty nine. So that brought more intrigue into people wanting to be a part of this moment. And it, it and then I sent it out to different lyricists, I planned it properly. So when it was time to go on live, these lyricists were going to come up and then they were already talking about the record. So it was just like, oh, what is this? What is this? What is this? It, it was more of a moment. So then when it happened, you know, I didn't, I, I still, I'm still in shock that people really, you know, gravitated towards it the way that they did. 
So taking it back to what Blue was saying about, or you were saying about giving Blue four verses within 48 hours, you told Royce that, you know, every time he came back, he was going to be back on his head within 48 hours. So given how quickly you write, how long you guys, how long did it take for you guys to make this album? Did you, did you do it quickly within like a couple of weeks span or did you plan it over time and let it sit and breathe? Um, dad, dad, Blue. I would say it was pretty quick. Did we do it in like a month? Yeah, we had to pick. Okay, so let's give Knotts his flowers, right? Knotts makes about 600 beats a year. <laughs> so he makes so many beats that he just he just sends us emails and then he says, all right, go on my Instagram and, and look for something. So we were, a lot of it really had to deal with us finding the beats that fit the project. And once we found them, you know, me and Blue just kind of went into overdrive. You know, Blue would send like four or five records at a time, you know, and, and I'd be like, okay, this works, this doesn't work, this works, this doesn't work, this works, this works. And then vice versa, he would do the same thing. And then, you know, we got our verses done very quickly. Like it, it, it didn't take us long to get our verses done. It was the features that really kind of held us up a little bit. So what's the book on the artwork that you guys are all reading, Knots Included? That's the, the new Bible. <laughs> the new, new, the new, new Testament. The new, new Testament, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mickey and Blue Testament. I, I you know, yeah. and, and if you look closely, both uh, album, both single covers are are what we're looking at, and oh, it's word. the it's the narrative, and 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 you know, there's this luminous figure over me and Blue looking at it, which is not, which I love. Um, yeah. So it was, it was great artwork. Shout out to Taj Campman. That was Blue's guy. You know, yes, he did yes. a fantastic job on that. So, I mean, this year for you too, Blue, I mean, you've been producing your, your, your stuff for a while, but I just listened to an album uh, by John Robinson. I think it's called King JR that you produced. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, as, as one of the more respected MCs in hip hop and a very versatile veteran, um, how has your journey into production been, especially when we associate you with, you know, a Knotts or a Madlib or an Exile or a Mainframe or a Damu. Like, you know, yeah. just talk to me about that journey. Um, I started producing shortly after uh, Below the Heavens. Um, or no, while I was working on Below the Heavens, working on Johnson & Johnson album. And uh, after that, I just started doing beats because I couldn't give to rock or mainframe or exile samples because they had crates of samples that they had already picked out already got sitting waiting for them to chop up and then you you giving them a list of samples they're like bro you know what i mean yeah. you gotta and they all taught me how to use the mp so uh i just started making beats and um i i eventually stopped i my equipment got stolen in 2015 and i i, I stopped producing and JR hit me up and I had some beats in the vault and I gave him my last best beats. You know what I mean? So that's, that project is like the end of my production journey. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. And uh, I think that's my 10th project that I produced, that I produced. That's wow. wild. So Mickey, you laid the beat for Wraith. Is that the first time you have produced or have you produced in the past too? I produced in the past. Uh, I did a lot of production on the Mickey Mouse project, um, which I'm, you know, I was gonna produce it again, but you know, people told me not to, so I'm not gonna do it. But uh, I didn't produce this song for Race. That was uh, from Awesome Jay. 
Shout out to Awesome Jay. He produced that. He was actually a YouTube producer. I woke up that Friday morning and I was I went on YouTube looking for beats because I didn't have anything. You know, I couldn't use a Nats beat. He charges way too much money for one single beat. So <laughs> I went on YouTube and found that beat. Yeah. And it's, you know, YouTube is really difficult with trying to, to, to hit producers. Like you have, you, you know, you, there's no like DM. So I left a comment on the, on the beat and I was like, hey, bro, I need you to hit me back ASAP so I can credit you properly, talk to you about, you know, how to pay you, whatever, da 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 And he didn't hit me back until it was all over the world. Like, and he was like, hey, man, you ain't got to pay me, man. This, this is the most wow. attention I've ever wow. gotten. And I was just like, all right, well, send me more beats and we're going to do business properly this time around. So is that why is that why it was late getting to the DSPs? Yes. So it was late getting to the DSPs because I didn't I didn't have I didn't speak to the producer and I I don't like to do stuff. You were honorable. That's what's up. Wow. I was like, I'll put it on SoundCloud. I put it on YouTube. I won't monetize it. Um, And then. When we spoke, I said, okay, now it's time to put it on the DSPs. And there's two different versions. The DSPs has, yeah. they have that Renegade sample in it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the original, you know, has just the beat, you know? Yeah, I was going to say that Renegade sample had to be your edition, right? Because he didn't know that you were referencing it. So you yeah, that off. was my addition to it. Yeah, that's <laughs> me being a producer. <laughs> Checking another box. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, so then you guys, how did you guys decide Blue was the guy and why did you decide to work with him on every track instead of having multiple producers on the, on the EP? Oh, Knott's? I'm oh, sorry, uh, Knott's, sorry, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think it just made sense. You know, I had did the Achievement Project with, with Knott's. Blue had did the Titans in the Flesh with Knott's. Um, and, you know, we had... We well, I spoke to Bink about it. I spoke to Eric Sermon about it. And Eric Sermon sent Blue a whole bunch of beats. Um, yeah. And I, I think, uh, I think, who else did we speak yeah. to? I, I think we might have spoke to Needles as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just felt right. And Ski, we spoke to Ski as well. And it just felt right to just kind of go with knots. You know, it, it, it's just home, home team, mm. and. Uh, we all worked together before, so it just made sense. And Knotts is the best, so. Yeah, Knotts is the best. You guys, have, <laughs> you guys have overlapping histories with him, too, which is cool. Yeah, no pushback. Yeah. Knotts is the yeah. best. You know, both shine over soulful beats, and Knotts, you know, he, he kills it in that pocket, too, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you guys are both technicians. Blue, you have a lyric that Reggie pointed out to me and really spotlit, but I want to read it to you. Um, Freedom is stolen by impatience. Freedom is a place we, we want to get to, but freedom is forgetful. Man. Talk to us about that a little bit. That's, that's a heavy-ass bar. Uh, Sorry, uh, I stole your question, Reggie. No, yeah, that's, that's deep. That's deep. <laughs> I, I don't know. Freedom, man, you could go on and on about freedom, man. It's, it's so free. You know what I mean? It has so many faces, so many, so many sides to it. You know what I mean? It's hard to uh to put it into into uh a definition. It's hard to define, you know what I mean? But um freedom is a place we want to but freedom is forgetful because freedom could easily forget you, you know what I mean? 
And uh, it's real, it's real, you know what I mean? You could be free as possible and then the next day, you know what I mean? You you locked up for life, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It gets deep, man. You know, you also talk about, you say on Roll Up that not one black leader left to direct the young. You believe that we don't have any any leaders anymore? I'm being harsh. Yeah. I'm being very harsh, but um, we don't have leaders like we used to have. You know what I mean? That can reach all of us. You know what I mean? It feels like. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's pretty much it. Just putting more pressure on on those leaders that are there. You know what I mean? To be stronger and bigger leaders. You know what I'm saying? What do you think about you guys? feel like you have a responsibility with the platforms that you have as leaders because your words are powerful they have impact too yep but i I also like to have fun you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but um i have a lot of uh, like people like exile who stay in my corner keep me on my pin game make sure i'm like dropping some content and not just wandering off into the wilderness wilding out you know what i mean but um yeah, I definitely like to have a lot of fun too creating. As well as, you know, putting a message in my songs, you know? Mm. Something people can feed on. So Mickey, you left a nine to five when you were 26. Well, I wanna know what the nine to five was and how you had the courage to do that. Cause that's, that's late in the game to start as a full-time artist, you know? So what, what gave you that courage and what was the nine to five? I was working at a law firm. Uh, the law firm was Mints and Fraud. Okay. Uh, they were doing, we were doing securities and acts. Um, I was a paralegal at the time and I was still in NYU uh, going to school to try to be an attorney. Mm-hmm. And um, my A&R at the time, Steve-O from GFC New York, he, uh, he was like, look, man, you know, if you're serious about this, you should quit your job. And, you know, that's reckless talk that you have at 19, 20, 21, 22. And like you said, at 26, to have that kind of somebody to tell you that, you know, I'm a grown man. It's like, how I'm going to live? And he was like, you need to, you need to trust the process. You need to, you need to, I need to know that you're serious about this. Quit, just, just quit. And I, I quit. I had about 10 grand saved um, and I quit. And we just went hard, you know, that, that was just something that needed to happen. Um, and I'm glad that he told me to, but yeah, I was working at a law firm. I had my own office, um, had my own direct line. <laughs> it was, uh, the attorneys that were there, it wasn't, it wasn't an appealing and enticing job. They were working nine to nine, sometimes nine to 11, making $40,000 a year. I was making $22,000 a year. This is 2007. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't appealing to me anymore. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, you know what? I have some talent. Let me at least try, you know, even if I fail, I at least can tell my kids I tried, hmm. but it, it went the other way. And two years later, within two years of that is when the, the Honda thing happened. Yeah. Two, within two years. Yep. The Honda commercial happened and uh, the cover of the double XL happened. Yeah. That's that's massive. And that had to be such an affirmation to the sacrifice and courage that you displayed two years earlier. You know, I'm curious, too. And obviously, you know, you've you know, 12 years later, you're an artiste. You know, you were then. 
But, you know, I, I just heard Rhapsody on a commercial recently. I think it was for Chipotle or something. And, and, you know, there's a lot more honor in artists doing that now than I feel like there was even 12 years ago, just from the way people talk about it. And I don't know, Blue, if you've ever done anything like that, but, you know, either of you, but Mickey, with your experience, you know, is there a special way that you can impress the quote unquote suits to get, you know, to get an opportunity like that to, to write commercially for a company? Um, being personable is the best way to, to do that. I think, you know, it's, it's the same way, like talking to a woman, man, you know, you gotta just make everybody laugh. If you can make everybody laugh, (laughs) you're you're in. Word. It doesn't matter where you're at, man. You make somebody laugh, you're their best friend. (laughs) And, you know, that's what I, I, that's what I do. You know, I, I, I even, you know, it's, it's interesting that you even ask that and not to go back into the police thing. But when I get pulled over and he, I try to make the cop laugh, man, like it's like, damn, I was doing 90. And I, I, last time I got pulled over, I, I said, I was like, damn, was I doing 90 when he pulled up and he just started laughing. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I should have took my foot off that, that brake. I mean, that, that, that gas pedal and he, and he's laughing even more. And, and that eases the tension, right? Like, Laughter really just makes everybody feel at home. And uh, laughter and, and telling jokes is also metaphor, right? And metaphor is the driving force for marketing. You know, whenever you have a great metaphor, a great tagline, you're out of here. You're out of here. So, and, yeah, it sounds like you could have. You could do advertising. You mentioned the, the journey in law. I'm curious because I really do believe, Mickey, you are one of the great MC wordsmiths. That's not a word I use often, wordsmith. And I, I you. But, but you fit that. And even in this conversation, as you're dropping puns and, you know, all the boxes that Reggie mentioned, um, I'm curious to know, with that skill set, what else are you good at? Are you good at, like, crosswords? <laughs> are you good at, like, how else do you take these th- this ability with words and apply it to life? Um, I, I play Scrabble every day. Mm. Every day. I'm playing with at least 20 people a day. Um, I'm constantly writing. I'm constantly thinking of different ways to just attack beats and, 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 and different words to use to just kind of use morphology on and break it in half and, and see what we can come up with. Um, I'm constantly, uh, I'm not into crossword puzzles. I tried to get into the New York Times crossword puzzles when I was like 15, 16. It just wasn't something for me. Um, but I, I used to, I beat Wordscape that game Wordscape, I beat it. Like, Damn. Um, and that, it, it, seemed, <laughs> it seems like an impossible game to beat because it's like always a new level and a new level. I beat it to the point where it was like, we, we have, you have to wait. There's no more levels. Like, <laughs> I got to yeah. like 3,600. 3, the level was 3,600 or something. But I beat Wordscape. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I just love words, man. Words, and I was bad in English. I was good at math. I was bad at English. It just doesn't make uh, sense. That's wild. But, um, yeah, I, you know, later on in life, you know, uh, that's that's what I do. And my wife, she's a poet. So, you know, her and I be always having these deep conversations, you know, every night, just talking about poetry, talking about hip hop, talking about, you know, life and what's going on. So I, that adds to the to the repertoire as well. That's what's up. Blue, what's your hidden talent, man? Yeah, oh, I'm gonna man. Look, I'm going to have to get you a Scrabble handle uh, because... Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna check some boxes on you on that. Hey, hey, Reggie, man, <laughs> listen, man, listen. You, you a cool guy. You posted me on this thing since 2010. 
Don't feel away if you lose. All right. I take forty-eight hours to get back to me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Okay. Say no more. Say no more. Now, nah, Blue, what 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 hidden talents you got, man? Oh man, I think I rolled a meanest J. <laughs> That's a good one to have. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I could roll the meanest J. Now, um, listen to the record one. We, we talked about that a little bit, but that's the record where you guys really talk about death. And listen, hip-hop talks about death a lot in a kind of a fatalistic way. Y'all are talking about it in a really philosophical way. And you've got this line, Blue, where you say we live life um, as if life is certain and death is uncertain, but death is certain and life is uncertain, which is just, that's so simple, but so profound, you know? So knowing that life is uncertain and death is is certain, how should we change the way that we live? You got to become immortal, bro. You know what I mean? Go vegan. <laughs> the, uh, you know, before the dinosaurs got taken out by the, by the meteors, the motherfuckers was huge as hell, bro. And they was eating, they was more, there was more um, vegan dinosaurs than there were carnivorous dinosaurs, mm-hmm. more herbivores, you know what I mean? So you're vegan? How, how long have you been vegan? No, I'm a pescatarian. I'm trying to get there, though. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. What about That's you? That's the journey. How do you think we should uh, differently if we know the death of certain, which we all know? Oh, man. I'm a firm believer in legacy. I am a firm believer in legacy. And, uh, you know, what we put into the universe... You know, you want it to last, especially in this era, right? Like where everything is recorded because of the internet. You know, I'm a very, very firm believer in in, in being careful in what you say, how you say it, and um, and when to say it, right? So um, that's why, you know, not to keep going back to that that uh, that live voice. There's a reason why I was just very humble and used humility as a tool, you know, because if I'm belligerent, you know, now it just looks like there's two people or I might fall into this trap of controlling. So I convinced, I trolled him by convincing the people <laughs> that, you know, I was getting bullied. Mm. So that made them want to be a champion for me. Um, Cause I could have easily just turned up, you know, but it was like, no, 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 this, this, this is like this boo, let this mm. boo. Um, so, you know, and that goes back to life and death, right? Legacy. What what are we leaving behind that our the next generation can latch on to? And when my son gets older, what can he hold on to to be like, my dad did this, he did this, he did that, and be proud of it, right? Like that is, I, mean, I, always, I always credit, you know, and look to uh, Big Pun Son, you know, Christopher Rios, yeah. Christopher Rivers, right? He can he he looks up at his son, at his father proudly because of the legacy. So Pun's legacy is is forever, and his legacy lives on through his son because of this beautiful art that 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 Pun left behind. So you know I try to keep that in mind because I have a son. I don't know what he's going to do when he grows older, but if he does decide to get into rap, I, I would hope that he upholds this fact's legacy. Mm. So you were cooking, you were cooking during that IG live, you were already cooking. Had you had that conversation gone differently? 
and ended on a different note, would you have still, like, did you still have something in the chamber or it would, it would have been a completely different result? Yeah, I had, I had something written. It was beautiful. It was, it was kind of like Lambda a little bit, but in my own way. Um, and it was, it was a beautiful piece. It wasn't, it wasn't scathing or anything like that. It was, it was just, you know, me putting it out there, but that live, you know, you, you don't do that in front of 10,000 people. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's, you don't, you don't do that. You just don't. Yeah. You know, I thought it was so interesting, you know, Reggie and I have spoken a lot about, you know, the locks and dipset versus, and, you know, as tense as it got, as competitive as it got, they left the stage that night, letting people know that there was a level of humanity and respect there. And I'm, I'm new to this. Like I'm, I'm used to subscribing to the source in the nineties and, you know, expecting to just go off of the records, but to watch, you know, Mickey, you and Royce jump on IG live, you know, after you, you had released, um, you know, Wraith, I thought was really interesting just to see you guys communicate to each other with respect, like you say, and not, name call or raise voices or all of that. And I, I feel like when Reggie asked about role modeling, we're living in a new age of role models, even through the lens of hip hop, of just how people, how artists treat each other, even when things are not all good, when it's competitive and that's powerful. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I thought it was, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the art of war and Lupe was mad at me a little bit. He's like, man, stop going on live with that man. It's war, it's war. <laughs> and I was like, I, I'm not going to do it anymore, but I, I wanted to I was hoping that his reaction would be, man, you, you did it. And it was yeah. a completely different energy. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, it is what it is. So, you know, Blue, hip hop has these great debates, you know, of like hell on earth versus the infamous or death certificate versus America's most. Ooh. You know, I love, I love Below the Heavens. But to me, I, I was the editor in chief at Hip Hop DX at the time. And when Johnson & Johnson came out, I thought truly that was the one of the greatest albums of the 2000s. Like, I wow. love that album. And every time I see a copy, I buy it and I send it to somebody who's never heard it before. Wow. <laughs> I just want to ask you, because I'm sure even on this press run, you know, people will always ask you about that firstborn you in exile had made, you know, below the heavens. But for Johnson & Johnson, that album, you know, always sounded like it came from such an interesting place in the songwriter's life. And for you... You know, what do you recall of, given all the music you make, what pushed you in that direction on that album at that time? Um, it was freedom. It was like, it was being able to, uh, to spit, you know. Exile wanted me to come with some content, you know what I mean? And he didn't want, to meet, he didn't want me to be a battle rapper. That's what I, what I came up as, a battle MC. And... Uh, so I was really into just spitting, you know what I mean? And um, when I hooked up with Mainframe, like he would just have loops going, you know what I mean? And he'd be like, if you're trying to bust, bust, man, you know what I mean? So I just had like an open room to create whatever I wanted to, you know what I mean? So uh, that's pretty much what that project was, you know what I mean? Just having that creative space, that super open creative space, having a producer there that I can, that'll dig for you, make sure you fill in something and just throw it down for you. You know what I mean? It was special, so two man. things, you know, one, I've always felt mainframe deserve way more credits. I mean, both of you guys are producers and, and the way that that album was produced, we, we always needed more of it. That's a conversation for another day, but I want to say one more thing. I think you have one of the greatest bonus tracks in hip hop history or music history with hold on John. 
And, um, mm-hmm. you know, just tell me specifically, like, was there something that inspired that song, which I know to this day, even in the streaming world is, is one of, you know, your most beloved. Um, it was the vibe, man. It was just like a mood, you know what I mean? Um, the, the sample there just created a mood. It was something that the album was missing and, uh, it just sat right. I had just pretty much finished below the heavens. So I spilled a lot of my heart out on, on that record, that album. And mm. this album, I was doing more so just spitting braggadocious raps. And uh, it came around full circle for me to just, you know, express something. You know what I mean? And Hold On John was definitely that record. Mm. So you guys have done the narrative. It's six songs. Uh, having done it now and getting the reception that I'm sure you're going to get, uh, is this a one and done? Or you guys think that there's more to come? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, God yeah. knows. God knows. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, whenever it's time to spin the block, you know, we're going to spin the block. You know, uh, yeah. it's, all, it's all about timing, though. You know, yeah. <laughs> Blue has so many projects he's getting ready to drop. It's like, you know. Very true. Very true, man. I gotta, we got to fit it into his schedule. Um, but I, I, what I will say is this, you know, I think um, just doing business with Blue and working with Blue in terms of how I'm moving, I think it's one of those situations and scenarios where it's like, if Mick is ready to do it again and vice versa, it ain't nothing yeah. to just kind of step up and do it again. Hmm. Yep. And when we get back active and moving around uh, more, you, you guys see doing a few shows together too? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, you, you know what's interesting? I got a call about that today um, from Knotts' manager. He was like, yo, you, Asha, and Blue should go on tour and have Knotts DJ it. And I was like, you know, that's that's kind of genius. That's good Cause, news right there, bro. Because all, all three of us have albums with Blue, I mean, with Knotts. <laughs> um, and all of us work together. You know, we all have songs together. It only makes sense, right? And you know, have not DJing it. I think it could be something crazy. So I'm hoping that, you know, I'm gonna reach out to some people to see what we can do because I think Asher would be involved with it. He would love to do it. You know, yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna park my car right out front and then I'm gonna pull the power and you guys are gonna come <laughs> out and, and, and we'll run it off the battery. You know, because I, I gotta see that. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yo. Um, you mentioned another project. Anything else you guys want to talk about in terms of things coming out that people should know about before we wrap it up? Uh, just the um, narrative. Yep, Probably. the narrative dropping on the twentieth. Go cop that Friday. Purchase yeah. it. Purchase it, man. Don't stream it. Purchase it. Support hip hop. It's only seven dollars, I believe. It's like a it's like a sandwich or something, man. Go go support hip hop. We put a lot into this. Like any great project, it leaves you wanting more. So yeah. Thank you both. Thank you, Facts. Thank you for joining. AFH What's Ahead on podcast. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Peace. Peace.